0: morning everyone happy sabbath please bow your heads with me and we'll pray dear father in heaven lord i thank you so much for this day and for the rain that is falling as we need it i ask now lord that it's your words that are spoken and not my own and that everyone takes away your message i ask these things in your name amen Have you ever been asked to do something, or perhaps it's something that you know you have to do, and you just don't want to do it? Have you ever experienced that? Or am I the only one? Perhaps it's um, you know cleaning the house, or perhaps it's doing up a financial report, or uh, paying bills, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure that there's something in each of our lives that we have to do that we try to procrastinate a bit, or we push off. Well, have you ever tried to run away from it? I had uh, I, There was one lady I knew, and she was in bad financial straits, and so instead of paying her bills and trying to deal with the problem, she would try to run away from it instead. So whether it was avoiding avoiding paying bills or avoiding the computer or booking herself a vacation, despite the, the debt, that's what she would do to run away from her problem. Well, I mean, here it is, Thanksgiving weekend. So it's a time when we reflect on things that we're thankful for. And I actually forgot that it was Thanksgiving weekend, maybe it's the weather, I don't know, until midweek. And I'd already been researching and planning one sermon and suddenly it dawned on me that wait, this is Thanksgiving, so maybe you should be going a different direction. And so I thought, well maybe I should switch out now what I was going to do and do it on, you know, say the the ten lepers and only the one that came back. But I decided no, no, I could incorporate thankfulness into this. Because, see, sometimes it's hard to be thankful. It's hard to see the good in a certain situation. And sometimes doing what God has asked us to do can be difficult. But more than that, sometimes it can be hard to stay focused on what really matters. And I mean, with it being Thanksgiving weekend, it's a time when we kind of focus on what matters, whether it be family, our house, friends, etc., But sometimes that can be hard to do, staying focused on what matters. And so today I want to introduce you to one individual who struggled with that, staying focused on what really mattered. His name name meant dove, which was actually tongue-in-cheek because he was anything but a dove throughout his entire life that we, we get a portion of. And so one night this dove, whose name was actually Jonah, is fast asleep when God says to him, in Jonah 1 verse 2, says, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up to me. And from here, for most of us, we know the whole story. We know what's going to happen. It flashes through our mind. But I want to focus on his life for a minute. So we know that Jonah gets up. And the Bible tells us he goes down to Joppa. And he gets on a ship headed for Tarshish. Now, Joppa, where Jonah was, so let's pretend that this here is Joppa, to get to Tarshish is about 550 miles in this direction. Okay? Or sorry, to get to Nineveh is 550 miles in this direction. So God has said, just go over here. But Jonah gets on a ship headed for Tarshish. So again, this is Joppa, and he heads to Tarshish, which is way over here, which is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction from where God wants him to go. 2,500 miles away. So it would be like telling your child, I want you to clean your room. And instead of just saying simply, I don't want to clean my room, they decide, well, I'm not going to clean my room, so much so that I want to just knock down the whole house. I mean, in other words, I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do, so much so that I'm going to go as far away as I can possibly get over in this direction. All right? And this is all very deliberate. I want you to take a look at Jonah 1, verse 3. Jonah 1, verse 3. And look at the language that's used here. It says, But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. So he sets out to flee. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare. He went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's no mistake. It's not like Jonah went down to Joppa and went to get on the ship going to Nineveh and accidentally ended up on the wrong ship. It's very deliberate what he's doing. And so the story continues, we know. Jonah gets on the ship, he goes down to the bottom of the ship, and a great storm comes, and the ship is going back and forth, and the sailors are freaked out now. They are scared for their lives. And the captain of the ship, the Bible says, he goes downstairs and he finds Jonah, huddled in a corner praying for his life. No, he finds Jonah what? We should all know the story, right? Fast asleep, fast asleep, completely oblivious to what's going on around him. So the captain wakes him up. They go upstairs, and of course, they they squabble back and forth for a bit about who's at fault. And finally, Jonah says in verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. And that verse strikes me as interesting, because here Jonah was okay with dying. Now, I mean, you could argue that maybe he figured if he was thrown in the water, that God would deliver him. But so far, the story hasn't read that way at all. And so I would argue that Jonah was okay with dying. He would rather die in the sea than simply go to Nineveh, where God had asked him to go. Or was it that simple? See, reading this today, it's easy to see what Jonah's doing as cowardly. I mean, perhaps he was afraid of public speaking. Or perhaps he had been a prophet for so long that he simply wanted to retire and God wouldn't leave him alone. But there's more to that. See, at this time in history, the Assyrians ruled the the world at that time. And at this stage in the game, the Assyrians had become known as a brutal military force. Their famous tactic would be to surround a city and lay siege to it for a number of, well, however long it took, and they had advanced military apparatus, or apparatuses, whatever the correct word would be there. And they would do all these things, and they were able to get into cities, and the things that they would do to people were absolutely horrible. I mean, you can read about it. It's, it's nasty. But they would basically make an example of people. And there was the occasional time when they would you know, let people become citizens of their country, become Assyrian, but for the most part they were feared. And they dominated much of the world. Now Nineveh, what does Nineveh have to do with the Assyrians? Well, at this time, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian regime, so to speak. And now God is telling Jonah, a loyal Israelite, to go to these people. And Jonah is saying, no, no, I don't want to do this, Lord. No, they're Israel's enemy. No, it would be like a Jew going to Berlin during World War II. Or it would be like a Native American going to London during the days of colonialism. Or like a Yazidi going to the ISIS strongholds. Or like for yourself, to put it in perspective, it would be like if you picture somebody that you absolutely can't stand, it would be like God saying, I want you to go to that person because I need you to. And so Jonah is saying, no God, these people have hurt your northern kingdom, throw me into the sea. And it reminds me of the story Jesus told to the Jews when one man asked him, and he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, of course, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, that's how far you have to go to reach out to somebody. Your neighbor isn't just the person that you're comfortable with. The neighbor is the person that you're uncomfortable with, too. That's how far we have to go. And poor Jonah, he's so not cool with this, to the point where he's saying, okay, throw me overboard, and they do. They finally throw him overboard. And finally, he can just drown now. There'll be peace in the water. He has finally gotten away from God. But verse 17 says, But the Lord God provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah now has some time to think and to pray. And he seems to have a bit of a change of heart. And so after three days and three nights, the fish spews him up on land. Now, something interesting about this, this is just a side note, but during this time, if somebody had been standing there, perhaps they were fishing or nearby, and they see this giant fish come, and they spew this man on, on shore. See, during this time, there was a, a, a god that these nations worship, known as Dagon. Dagon was a half fish, half man. And so to see this would have meant that this person obviously had something important to say. And so rumor would have circulated really fast that here was a man that had been actually spit out of a fish and here he is coming to tell us something. But that's assuming that anyone was there to see. That's a side note. So God again tells Jonah to go preach to these people. And Jonah finally goes. Finally, he's doing what God wants him to do. And he begins to preach. And he says, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And he walks around saying this, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And the king and the people repent. And they begin begging God to spare their city. And I want you to look at 3 verse 10. And it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed His mind about the calamity that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. And Jonah was overjoyed. Right? No, no. no. I'm glad you're listening. Four verses, one through three. Three says this, but this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to God, and he said, O oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> This is the second time now that Jonah has said, has chosen death over life. Why this time? Because he knew that God was going to do this. He knew that God was going to forgive them. And so he's saying, Lord, just, just kill me now. I, I don't want to see your forgiveness, not, not towards these people. And sometimes perhaps we think that way. I had a friend who, she had something horrible happen to her from an individual And she wanted more than anything to seek revenge on this person. And so she was told by another friend, they said, No, don't do this. You know, in the end, ultimately, God is judge. To which she replied, Well, I know he's judge, and that's what worries me, because if this person repents, they're going to make it to heaven too. And right now, I'm so angry, I don't want that. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. I can only imagine some of the early Christians might have imagined that about Paul. I mean, here was a man that was going around murdering people and maybe their, their solace in life was, okay, don't worry, God's going to judge him and he'll get what's coming to him and he repents and God forgives him. But that's the amazing thing about God is it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, he still offers that forgiveness. And so Jonah struggles with this concept of forgiveness and extending this same forgiveness to the Ninevites. But then God asks him a question and he says is it right for you to be angry is it right for you to be angry I mean here Jonah had just disobeyed God and run in the opposite direction here he was hating these people and yet God was still forgiving him and still working with him so was it right for him to be angry well Jonah doesn't respond the Bible says that he goes walking out of the city and he walks off a bit <laughs> and he sits down and he makes himself a booth and he sits there and the bible says that he waits to see what the lord was going to do it was as if he's still saying okay you know what maybe god didn't mean this forgiveness thing god still might destroy the city and i'm going to sit here cuz i want to watch this thing get destroyed so he waits to see what god is going to do and then suddenly something funny happens god lets a vine begin to grow and it offers shade And for the first time in this book of Jonah, it says, so Jonah was very happy about the vine or the bush. I mean, finally, this poor guy has found a little bit of happiness, something with which he can cling to. (laughs) And so he can sit there and wait with shade over his head, and he goes to sleep that night. But the next morning, he wakes up, only to discover that some worm has come in the night and eaten the vine. And he's annoyed. And I can only imagine. Have you ever had a plant that you loved very much and then you had a garden pest or a squirrel or something come and eat that plant? It's annoying. I'll tell you, it's annoying. And so Jonah wakes up and he discovers that his plant is gone. And the sun comes out and the Bible says an east wind begins to blow. And Jonah feels faint. He's hot. He's miserable. The city still hasn't been destroyed. And in fact, the only thing that is being destroyed by a hot ball of fire is him at this point in time. And so he says for a third time in verse 8b, he says, it is better for me to die than to live. A third time. I mean, that's it. The only thing in life that he was thankful and happy about has been destroyed. The Assyrians are wallowing in God's forgiveness and Jonah just can't seem to die. But here's the most important part of the book of Jonah. Chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. God's response. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about this bush? So again, he's saying, Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? And he says, Yes, Lord, angry enough to die. And the Lord says, You are concerned about a bush or a vine for which you did not labor and for which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and it perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many cattle? And at this point in the story, we get a glimpse of how important we are God all of us whether good or bad the book of Jonah never says what happened to Jonah it leaves us with that question it doesn't say whether Jonah suddenly got it whether he realized what really mattered or if he just sat there in the desert we don't know we are simply left with this question what really matters And I mean, it's easy in our lives to become concerned with the daily cares of life. It's easy to become concerned with our finances or the weather. It's easy to become concerned when somebody cuts us off when we're driving. I mean, there's all these things that weigh on our mind. But God seems to be trying to realign Jonah's thinking. And he's saying, focus on what really matters. And so for us today, what really matters? I want you to turn to Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus is speaking and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of just the nations that you are comfortable with, just the people that you're comfortable with. No, of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't say just go to the people that you're comfortable with, it says all. And so, like Jonah, we all have a responsibility and something to do. I want you to go back to our scripture reading in Isaiah 45, verse 22. Isaiah 45, verse 22. God is, he says, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. This is what God desires for everyone. This is what matters to God. Is making sure that everyone knows who he is and can be saved if they choose to be. So our job in essence as Christians is to reach out to others. And of course that doesn't mean standing on a street corner preaching. Some people are good at speaking and some people aren't. But there's so many ways that we can reach out to people in our everyday life. We talked a bit about that at prayer or at Bible study on Wednesday night, and sometimes it can just be a simple smile that we give to somebody that encourages them. It might be helping somebody, it might be visiting with somebody. The list goes on. Use your imagination, you'll come up with things that you're good at. There are so many ways that we can reach out to others. So the question that we really need to focus on is what really matters to God because this is what should matter to me then as well. And I want to go back to Jonah 4 verse 11 and read that one more time. Jonah 4 verse 11. And God's saying, should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. So what was God concerned with? He was concerned with the fact that there were 120,000 people who didn't know right from wrong. He was concerned with the fact that sin destroys, because that's the natural consequence of sin. And these people were headed in that path. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is what the Ninevites were up against. Being destroyed, essentially. But Jesus goes on to say, But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. And that's what God wants to offer everybody. Is that life. That abundant life. And you know what's funny, though? Is Jonah knew this. This. Because he had said previously, for I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. In other words, Jonah had a pretty good idea as to who God was and what he wanted for his children. But what Jonah failed to grasp was how to understand that and stay focused on what really mattered. And that is seeing people and valuing people the way God does. So this leaves us with one final question. If what really matters are the people around us, our neighbors, our friends, those people who don't know about God, those people in Belleville or your surrounding area, our surrounding areas, then how do we stay focused on what really matters? How do we stay focused on valuing those people? Because, you know, in and of myself, I tend to be more of a Jonah sometimes. I tend to try to stay in what, the area that I'm comfortable in. So how do I stay focused on that? But we do this by learning more about God and strengthening that relationship we have with him. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And also by beholding, we become changed. In other words, what are we beholding? If we're keeping our eyes on Christ, then we begin to see people the way he does. And we begin to care about them the way he does. And we begin to long to reach them the way he does. So this Thanksgiving weekend, as we count our blessings... the food that we have, the clothes that we have, the roof over our head, the freedom that we have, let's remember that what really matters are those around us as well. And the deeper our understanding of Christ becomes, the more we can see others through his eyes. There was a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. He was the director of the China Inland Mission. And as director, he had the opportunity to interview a number of people. Um, to see if they wanted to head over to China to serve as a missionary. And so he would ask them, and he would say, why do you wish to go as a foreign missionary? And so he would get a number of replies. Some would go, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And someone else would say, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. And he acknowledged that these were good responses. But he said this to them. He said, All of these motives, however good, will fail you in times of testings, trials, and tribulations, and possible death. There is but one motive that will sustain you in trial and testing, namely, the love of Christ. Remember, Jonah knew. He knew that God was merciful. So to have that knowledge is important, but to have that relationship and that understanding of why Christ wants us to reach out. That love of Christ, that's what's important. And in our everyday life, in all our encounters that we have, may the love of Christ that fills us, keeping our attention and our eyes focused on who Christ is and what he has done for us, may that help us keep focused on what matters most, seeing and valuing people the way God does. Amen.